Well, today we're going to, is day two of uh, last week's uh, opening of our new journey or our new series through the book of John. And how many were here for last week's message from Mark Spencer on the book of John? Now, I, w- I want to share that this is not so much a journey on the book of John as it is the approach we take in John. And so I want to create some clarity around this. When we read scripture, and, and Mark did a great job at unpacking it last week, but when we engage scripture, oftentimes what we do is we engage here first. And we study the scripture intellectually we, we have Bible studies, we have all these things, and we get a lot of information. We become well-informed on the character of Jesus. We become well-informed on who he is. And is that good? Yes. Study is good. Engaging him with your mind is good. But it's all of this is not to just inform us so that we can know stuff. It's to move us. It's to move us into deeper with relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about. So I care less about how much, how, how much someone knows, and I care more about who they know. I can know a lot about God and not know God. I have had times in my life where I knew a lot about him, but I didn't know them. Who's him? Who's been there? You could say a lot about Jesus on paper. But as far as your own heart engaging him in a way that brings transformation, that can become more challenging And so when we are engaging the gospel of John, we're doing so in a way that causes us to go deeper in relationship with him, not just find out more about him. Now understand this, the more we engage him, the more you will learn about, correct? When you spend time with someone, you can know someone on paper, you can hear a lot about someone. But then when you meet them, it's a different experience, isn't it? You're able to confirm, yeah, this, I heard this about them, that's kind of true. I heard this about them, that's not true. But it's the experience and proximity that actually gives you, one, intimacy, and two, the right kind of information. So when we go through the Gospel of John, many of us, how many have read through John before? How many can quote a lot of stuff from John? One of the things that, that Mark established last week is that we have to put aside what we think we know so that we can ask the Lord what he wants to say. Because it's true. I, I too, have commentaries on the book of John. I've read, I've taken classes on the book of John, and I could easily regurgitate all those things to you, but there's something deeper that God wants to establish here. Now, before we get into our verses today, which will be four through nine, and we'll revisit one through three that Mark went through yesterday, or sorry, Sunday, I want Jesus' motives for your life and for mine, his agenda for your life, his call for your life, to be clear as we go into this book. Uh, and as we do that, you've heard me say this scripture many times over and over because it's what he wants for us, not just in the context of this verse, but in the context of life, previous, current, and ahead. Jesus says this prayer, he says a prayer in front of people publicly to his Father, to God. And he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me. Let me say that again. I want those you have given me, us, 
to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Are his motives clear? He's not asking for this multi-church, multi-church plant ministry. He's not asking for all of these different things on your resume. What is he asking for? You. It's so simple it becomes hard to believe because we don't operate that way. We have to do stuff to achieve stuff. But that's where Jesus is so outside of our creative minds that we can't, when we try to understand him, all we can do is put him into our context of how we would operate. And now we're trying to make him operate how we operate, and then we miss him. When we look at verse 1 of chapter 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, that being Jesus, and the Word was with God. What was, that? what was that right before God? What was that word? The word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. So this establishes something else. How many do not like saying I don't know to questions? You have a hard time with that. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's kind of, some of us are like, we don't care. I don't know. Because we don't want responsibility. <laughs> Maybe. That's how I am sometimes. But sometimes, especially when it's something you should know. How many feel that way? I don't, you don't, you don't want to say, I don't know, to something you should know. I face that all the time. Especially when you're counseling someone. They go, what about this? I should know this. I don't know it. And we have to be, learn to be okay with saying, I don't know, because here's the deal. What this establishes in the first three verses is that Jesus is uncreated. Now, your mind can't fathom that. You can agree with it. You can say yes. How many have said God has no beginning and no end at some time in your life? Either you've read it, you've said it, you believe it. How many have said, you know, he's the alpha and the omega? Great things to say. Great things to believe. To understand you will not. Except, yes. But we can't understand anything being uncreated. Why? Because everything we know is created. It does have a beginning, and it does have an end. Yet we have a God that has neither. And then guess what? Jesus is also uncreated. Why? Because nothing has been made, nothing has what do he say? I want to get the right words here. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made, which includes him. He is uncreated, but, he's, but he was born. Well, that doesn't make sense. How did that happen? Here's our first one. Practice with me. I don't know. I don't know how he did. I don't know how he's uncreated, and yet he's still born, which looks like he's created. I don't know. That's Okay. Because he's God, he's that big. So we establish that. Now, that God who is uncreated with infinite power has come in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Why? John 17, so that you and I could be where he is. What? 
Why? I don't know. <laughs> because he loves us. Why? I don't know. Because I don't love myself half the time. Now we're going to talk about that why in a little bit. We talk a little bit about family dynamics that God has set up. But here's our verses today. When we establish that the word was with God, that Jesus was with God, he's uncreated. Through him all things were made. Now, verse 4, and we're going to go through verse 9 this morning. In him, in Jesus, in that word, in the word made flesh was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was, that being John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man, he was coming into the world. What word sticks out the most? Light. Yes. Here in the first few verses, you have the word, the word, the word. Now you have the light. Now you see that with John, in the book of John, who's not the same as John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. But you will see him use these titles for God. You'll see the good shepherd. That's one. The gate. You'll see a lot of these different things. Now, what, if I were to ask you, this is, I want you to indulge me here and answer, please. Define for me light. What does it mean? Absence of darkness. It's a great one. What else? Warmth. Warmth. Illumination. Keep going. How would you define it? Don't look for the right answer. How would you define it? Life-giving. Yeah. Anybody else? Okay. What does it mean when that word is used for the description of Jesus? Jesus is the light. What does that mean? There is no other light. Okay. Guidance. He's saving us from the darkness. What else? These are good. Helps us see. Okay. Now, when we look at this, these are all good answers. John uses the word light. Obviously, the New Testament is written in Greek, and so we can look at that word which we are and the word is phos and in the greek and what it means is not so much not only just brightness and something that illuminates but literally the connotation here is the manifestation of god's existence his presence his fullness not part his fullness in jesus so when john says he is the true light, the true light. That is the true, all-encompassing, without air, no false sense, but the true, pure presence of God within the person 
of Jesus. Now you have John, his cousin, and he is preaching about Jesus. He is trying to draw people in. He, he's asked questions because of some of the signs he does and, and the sense of holiness around him. Are you a prophet? And we'll see this later. Are you the Messiah? He says, no, 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 no. I baptize with water. The one I'm talking about baptizes with the Spirit. Now, John is talking, John the Baptist is talking about the light, the Word, Jesus himself. And what he is trying to do is what our lives need to be about. He is trying to narrow the gap of not knowing him to knowing him, to bring them into his presence. Not to behave their way into his presence but to invite them in to the very simplistic love of Jesus, of God. He's not claiming to be anything other than someone that is trying to get people to Jesus. That's the invitation we have. It's not for us to convince anyone. It's not for us to trick anyone. It's for us to invite them in to what we already, who we already know. And that is what John is trying to establish. And when you talk about the light, you're talking about something that doesn't just illuminate sin. Because that's where we can often go. Correct? The light of Jesus illuminates sin. It does. Yes. The law did that too, by the way. Did not the law in the Old Testament that the Jewish people lived by Show when you miss the mark? Yes? Which sin is? It means to miss the mark. The law did that. So the light of the world that is in Christ, the manifestation of his presence, doesn't only illuminate what is not right. It illuminates himself so that you can see him in the midst of all of that. So that you can know him in his fullness, not just parts of him, and not just know about him, but actually have an encounter that transforms you with ever-increasing glory. It messes you up in a good way. Someone said, Sharon said this, yeah, Sharon said this, it's like a moth to a flame that dies. (laughs) And we go, that sounds morbid. But it's true. Light of the world brings us to him in a way that we die to ourselves, do we not? And we have new life in him because we see not just wasn't, right but what is right what is and what he wants for us and everything that he is doing everything that jesus does is to draw us into his presence every single thing is to draw him in and it doesn't have anything to do about whether you're worthy or deserving of his attention And John establishes that throughout the gospel. That's important to understand because John the Baptist is trying to say that. Drawing all people into the embrace of Jesus. You don't have to behave your way into it. If you're in the light, you're in the light whether you like it or not, right? (laughs) You know, if the light is good and Oh, the outside is beautiful, and I step out there. It has nothing to do whether I deserve being in it, does it? It's inviting me into it. We go, you know, maybe I'm, I'm excited for service to be out so I can be out there. And it doesn't have to do with my behavior. 
It's the invitation to partner with it, to participate with it. Now, I say this why? Because the life of Jesus fought for every single person, lost and found. And we are meant to engage the Word of God like that, relationally. What does He want to say to us, through us, and about us? And He does that. He says, I want you to be with me. I want you to be where I am. And let me establish what I mean by that. And so He, he says in John 15, what? Abide in me and I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. The God of the universe that is uncreated doesn't need you. Doesn't need you. He doesn't need what you can do for him. He wants you. He created you, but he doesn't need anything from you. And so Jesus' instructions over and over are, be where I am because I'm going to be there with you and you will experience life. Because the best we can do is fool's gold. We try to say, hey, I want this for my life. I'll put Jesus' name on it. But it doesn't produce the life we want for ourselves because we don't really know what we want because we don't know who we are until we are ambushed by Jesus. And John the Baptist is trying to ambush people with the presence of Jesus. He's coming. He's here. And he's going to knock you on your face with a type of love you've never experienced before. You can only try to manufacture and you would always fall short. And if you're not convinced by his public declaration that I just want my people to be where I am or to stay with me and I'm going to stay with you and you'll bear life, if that's not enough, let's look at Matthew 18 where he is talking about the shepherd. And then the sheep, the hundred sheep, one what? Strays. And he goes after them. The one that left where they were supposed to be, he went after them. This wasn't, this isn't a Jesus saying, behave your way into my love. I love you. And I will transform you. Your behavior will be transformed. But it comes through the open invitation to be embraced by his love. And you know what he says in Matthew 18? About that one? It's almost a greater feeling to have that one back than just the 99. When he's on the cross, what does he say? When the people, the enemy of his enemies are nailing him to the cross, he says what to God? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's ne he never stops coming after you. The light of the world is the manifestation of God's presence in its fullness, not part of it. I mean, we even write children's songs about it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Nothing's going to put it out, right? It's the very fullness of Jesus. It's the very fullness of the love of God seen in Jesus. We'll even hear him say, and, and he'll say it about himself, I am the good shepherd. I know that my sheep know my voice. And then he says, there are other sheep that are not in this pen. And guess what? I'm going to go after them too. And they're going to hear my voice. Because we have to pair what we're hearing here with all the instructions that we are given in Scripture about being the light to the world because we are light bearers. And it's not about having the right information. It's about having His presence. And walking in His presence. The Word made flesh. The true light. And we are to bring those people in. And here's... Here's the other thing. I love the brilliance of God. Because you can hear this. Well, how do we know this? How do we see this? Well, 
you and I are not the ones that created family dynamics. Are we? Are you the one that chose to invent being a father or a mother and invent having children and invent an unconditional love for them even when they annoy everything in your body? No, that was a God design. We're his children. He's our father. When you see your kid, you know they're going to probably disappoint what you want for them someday, if not right away. Like, go to sleep. Don't cry. Those kind of things. I just want to sleep. I can't sleep because you are crying. But your love for them does not stop. It's not dictated by what they do or don't do. Is it? Yet somehow we have this idea that Scripture solely informs us of how to act in the name of Jesus. And then we'll get something. And that's not everyone, but it's a default. I even have it. When stuff gets really hard, I go, what have I done or not done that I should have done or not done that has created this effect, this consequence? Who's thought of that? The best of us. But for me, being a father has taught me one of the greatest lessons about how God sees me. My love for my kids will never stop no matter what they do. I might be disappointed at times. I might get, feel hurt. I might even feel betrayed at times. But my love for them will never stop. Yet, for some reason, we cannot hold to that same standard of love to God himself. We must have to do something to make up for what we didn't do. So every single person in this room along with me, and I don't mean this in a shameful way because I'm talking really fast and I sound intense, but we're all hypocrites in that way. We love our kids unconditionally but won't allow God to love us unconditionally. And what Jesus is saying here, what John is talking about Jesus throughout the entire gospel, which is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's all about the being with, taking that proximity that's so far apart and bringing it here to their one. He says further in John 17, I want my people and I to be one as you and I are one. One. And no behavior is going to interrupt or condition my love for you. Nothing will keep me from going into the wilderness to find the one. Sometimes we look at that passage and we go, well, the sheep just strayed and he's up the hill, up the knoll a little bit. No, they would, shepherds would have to go miles to find the one through hardship, through dangers. And Jesus will go through anything and everything to go after you. He has. We cannot afford to read this for information alone but information that will lead us to experience and proximity and intimacy with the Father, the light, the Word, the Good Shepherd. This is to be made manifested in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is not withheld an ounce of who He is from us. We have full, all-access pass to the heart of God. And what He wants in return is a full-access pass to your heart and to my heart. So it's less about what I know and it's all about who I know. What I know leads me, hopefully, to who I will know. So when we look at this journey through the Gospel of John, hang on tight 
because it's already kicking my backside. And I'm going to confess with you. I'm going to confess. The last several weeks have kicked my butt. And when I'm up here, I'm processing out loud. Okay? So I want you to know I'm in this with you. This is not something I'm just trying to teach so you know something, and hopefully you'll know someone. We are in this as one body in Christ. This is not my profession. This is not just a vocational ministry. This is life. Life as God intended it, to know him better, to know him so intimately, the world could strip away everything that we would label as good, but Jesus' love is enough. I'm obsessed with him. I want to be where he is. I am absolutely in love with Jesus. That's what he wants from his church and his children. And we're all in it together. No title of position makes us greater or less than. So I'm in this with you and you're in this with me. So we need to hold on tight. Because the Lord will continue to mess with us in a good way. Strip us down so that we can see him and only him. And I'll leave with this illustration. Well, scripture. When David is going to meet Goliath, Saul, who at some point in his life was after God, but Saul equipped David with what he thought he knew he needed for the life ahead on that battlefield. And he clothed David in armor that didn't fit. Why is that? Because he didn't need it. David said, this doesn't fit right. This is not what God has. And instead, David took his relationship with Jesus onto that battlefield. His relationship with the Father, not the armor, not the things that we say we think we need, but God was enough. And he wanted to honor him. He wanted to be where he is. That's all, that's all he's asking from us. And I'm not like, all oh, like, that's just it, and that's easy. I'm saying that's all. That's everything. And it's hard. I'll be the first one to admit I can get lost in what I was told you need to do to lead a church. The armor I'm supposed to wear. The equipment I need to have. Mm -mm. Because life will take away the luxuries we have. Is what's here enough? Right here. That's the one thing the enemy can never take. You can't take away uncreated truth and uncreated love you can't it's impossible the created cannot rob from the uncreated what a sweet gift Jesus has given us in himself but the instruction just to be where he is I mean you've all seen me it's hard for me to stand in one place can you imagine what my inner life is with him sometimes <laughs> We move around a lot. But he wants us to go and be with him. That's it. So that's how we engage the word. Lord, where do you want to take where do you want to go today, you and I? What do you want to show me about who you are in this? Not just about you, but who you are. And how do I experience that with you? So we're in it. 
Amen? All right, let me pray for God's grace and mercy to be with us as we engage this. Because it's a non-negotiable. It's the only thing. He's the only one. Lord, I thank you for clearing the debris in our lives so that we can see you clearly. May we be so bold to let go of what we think we should love in this world, to step into the one who loves us without condition, and that we would return with the full force of our love for you. I pray that you would remove anything, any false pictures of God or false pictures of you that we may have that keep us from stepping into you more fully than we did the day before. I remove those in Jesus' name through the power of your Holy Spirit and that you would remove any false sense of what we think church should be and that you would put in the forefront of our hearts and our minds and our spirits that which is what this is all about. That is intimacy with you. The most precious and dearest of relationships. The only relationship that matters before any other relationship can matter the way it should. Experiencing the life you want it to experience. I pray your blessing of truth and breakthrough into this church family and that we're in it together with you. Not for you, not apart from you in the name of you, but with you. So I pray your blessing and protection as we leave this place. That when we leave this place, we would still stay with you. And help us identify where you are when it's hard to locate you. But we know you're there. Sometimes we just don't see. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and maybe some of us for the first time? Have your way, Lord. We love you. And we thank you that you love us. In Jesus' name.
下。